brought to you by the Rugby Outlet Mall, equipping you for freedom and connection through rugby. Find out more at RugbyOutletMall.com. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Time Abelu, and uh, I'm actually hitting you guys up because I'm in Brazil right now, and uh, I'm not actually able to do this. This is actually a pre-recording, but I wanted to make sure that I had something ready for you guys because we have a really great guest that was on here, and uh, I, I, I... it was one that you guys needed to hear. We have actually Kamani Davis from co-founder of Roots, but also best known for his organization made. My actions defy ex- expectations. My actions defy expectations. Um, a, a, a community and mental wealth group that uses fitness and, and connection to be able to help you get to know your better self and to be able to connect with your community. And uh, this guy, whenever you talk about a, a history that allows for an understanding of what community is, Kimani is, is probably best known. You probably even know him better if you're up in the Northeast area, but for those who aren't, uh, definitely a guy you want to get to talk to or get to know. Uh, it's never a dull conversation. You guys are going to hear it in this interview as well. I don't want to hold you guys up for too, too long. Uh, but, of course, please go ahead, check out uh, the Rugby Outlet Mall. Um, we got some great new stuff inside there now, some new uh, merch there that we'd love for you to pick up. Uh, opening up our gear, GTRN 13, you're going to start seeing it a little bit more and more around. But uh, for those who are listening, you guys can get 20% off if you guys use our code GROW, G-R-E-A-U-X, Rugby, two words. And you guys can get 20% off all the gear under Gift Time Rugby Network or HBC Rugby Classic. We consider that the Rugby Outlet Mall exclusive gear. So use Grow Rugby, G-R-E-A-U-X Rugby for 20% off all new uh, all our merchandise that's there. And we're going to continue filling that, man. I'm telling you, you guys are going to be excited whenever you see what comes out uh, in the next few months. Uh, also, on top of that, please check out the movie uh, Singapore to Tokyo any way you can. Uh, you guys can find it at redearthfilms.vhx.tv. Uh, like, it is a great documentary, seven-part series, 20 minutes per episode. So you're talking about 140 minutes. That's just a, two hours and ten minutes of, of watch. And I'm telling you, you're going to be grabbed. We keep getting great reviews about it. It's only 17 bucks, and you guys keep it forever. You guys can download it, do what you will, but uh, it's yours, and, and we want to make sure that you are able to uh, uh, just enjoy it and pass it on. I really suggest that you guys take a look at it. Um, also, please, if you guys can, leave a, uh, uh, a review on uh, Apple iTunes uh, and uh, let us know what you think. It allows us to be able to have an idea of what it is that you are liking or disliking about what we have. Also allows us to be able to do a little bit more when it comes to advertising and being able to, you know, keep the lights on overall, making sure that everything's good. But even more allows me to be able to continue to get the right guest to be able to create these uh, impressions of opportunity that's there and uh, understanding the people that go along with it and that that mindset. So you guys are constantly learning. I'm constantly learning. We all learn together. 
And lastly, of course, you guys can check out more of the episodes uh, on video. Uh, we post them on every Friday from uh, the Friday of the, the interview. So uh, every Friday, uh, go check out YouTube.com slash Gift Time Rugby Network, G-I-F-T-T-I-M-E Rugby Network. And you guys can see that and more. We got so much stuff in the backload. We got so much stuff about to come out. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. 2020 has been a very interesting year of, of stuff happening. But I'm about to try and go get some more of this rugby life here in Brazil and kind of see what we have to offer more worldwide because I want you guys to take the time to know that you should be able to travel, travel with this sport. It's not as expensive as you think, and it's not as uh, uh, dangerous as you probably are being led to believe in a lot of situations. A lot of times, not even really dangerous at all. But danger is obviously in the eye of the beholder. But it, it really isn't as bad. So uh, you guys will be hearing about it. But in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is one of my favorites. Kimani, just amazing. Check it out. Kimani Davis, my actions defy expectations. Roots Rugby, check it out. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bale. I got another very V, very I, and you guys don't even realize how much of a P this guy is. This dude has been in the back scenes doing the work mentoring so many young uh, uh, rugby players, so many young people in general. Uh, one of the co-founders of Roots Rugby, the man, the myth, the legend, Kimani Davis. Kimani, man, thanks for coming through. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, it, it's, it's you know, I've heard about the show for a while, checked out a couple of podcasts. Um, I think you're doing a lot of positive things. Not the, You know, not doing the right thing you know, um, in terms of what is needed right now, especially for rugby and especially for our people and communities as a whole. So I'm happy to be here. Dude, like it's a legit, it's a legit pleasure. Um, and I really appreciate that, by the way. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because one of the, the first times that I actually heard about you was because of a mutual friend of ours, Nick Hunter, who was formerly the, the coach for Simon Gratz uh, previously. But even within that, I'd, oh, I'd heard about you because of Ruth, because of Kyle and Tiana. They'd, it had been mentioned, but it was like, who is this guy? And then you hear about it with Nick, and he was like, wait, wait, who is this guy that's been, like, doing this stuff behind? Is, is this the workout guy? Is like, who is the secret, play, the, secret, the, the, the secret person? So I think whenever we, we ended up doing the – not I think. Obviously, when we did the, the panel with Ruth – and got to finally meet you and introduce, it was like, oh, this all makes sense now. This all makes the most sense. And I have to, I have to say, uh, I have definitely been appreciative of getting to know who you are and uh, getting, of course, especially to be able to meet you uh, as a person and not just the figure that has been, uh, that's been around, that coming out of the Philly and New York area, kind of bouncing off between these two. Man. Yeah, uh, I mean, so, I mean, first, uh, you know, once again, thank you for having me. Um, as you mentioned, Kyle and T, you know, I'm going to put them on the spot. I want to wish them a happy anniversary today. 
Um, Happy yeah. four years, you guys. Yeah, I just want to, you know, um, you know, authentic individuals, you know, and I'm happy that with, you know, they found and they're with each other. Very positive presence, very positive family. Um, just to be able to, you know, for them to be younger than I am, but the mutual respect and admiration in the way we look to each other for guidance, um, you know, at times is just, uh, is very appreciative. You know, and I'm looking forward to see, you know, what's ahead. No, man. I Look, I think the future is definitely, in my opinion, is bright. Um, but, you know, it, it has to get work there. I think that's the yeah. one part that we always we always know. And it, it's it's interesting, especially in this time period where it feels like people say history is being made, but I think it's just history is being made aware of. And so you get to now actually see the the detailed work that has to get done to see these things occurring as opposed to it kind of being a flyover a flyover night work and yeah. somebody in the background's getting it done but we're just getting the affects of it you know i mean it's just one of those things where we look at it from the point of view is you know not to sound too cliche mm. but you know one of the things i love saying to people um you know if, so, if i'm asked or if someone asks me you know what has rugby uh shown or taught me you know in playing you know my first match was in 1995 and all the games all the matches all the tournaments and if i had to pick one thing what rugby has taught me that rugby in comparison to life rugby is such a game of momentum Mm -hmm. you know that you're going to come out strong but at some point the other team is going to push back but it's how you know can you withstand it and close out a game and you know growing up in new york city um, and their heads older than me. You know, police brutality, violence, racism is, is nothing new. This is another shift in the momentum. And I, I think we have the opportunity right now to be able to close out the game, you know? And that's just, that's, 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 that's just how I feel. And that's real, I think. I think that's real. I think that's real. And I think, again, it, it's one of those things that it is recognized, uh, you know, because a lot, like I said, a lot of times people aren't seeing or aren't feeling that momentum. It is, it is heard after the fact or it is talked about before, but that action in between is never really felt constantly. And I think especially even this last decade, I think we've, we've had this like up and down balance. Because a lot of people want to go like, it, it, from what I always say is, seeing is, not to say, but is a lot of people go like, we were lax during Obama years and then it all came to head during Trump years and we're just getting it. Whereas in my opinion, it's no, everything had been going on through all these years. It's only the awareness and not even a grander awareness. It's only, it's, it's specific variations of being able to express in a public forum, how these things are occurring. Yeah. And it's know. also, it's also the subconscious where even now, during this health crisis, we still can't get it together. So right. that's why it's, you know, it's exploding. Like even now, through all of this, we, you know, it's, it's, am I surprised? No, but, you know, knees on necks, getting shot in the living room. Um, and that's what we know of, you know, what, what people get. We find something new within the last year, within the last six months, there's another five or six cases every week of something else that's being brought up or brought out. So... Um, you know, what you said, it, it's always been there. Um, you know, especially being a New York City resident, you know, you just, you've witnessed it all the time. I mean, I witnessed it myself 
you know, going to practice, going to work, you know, going to school. I'm a, I'm, I'm a director of school culture, going to school in a, in a tie with a bag and cops are asking me, you know, they have the random stops at the train stations in New York. Oh, we need to check your bag. And we need, you know, it's all the other people that went through clearly, you know, you, you want to check my bag. Right. Um, something, you know, the microaggressions to the made, you know, to the, to the, to the crisis. It's never not been here. No, I, and, and look, like for what it's worth, New York, New York PD has always been notorious for this. So even whenever it comes into that, if someone goes, man, I can't believe it's happening. It's like, wait, have you not listened to pop culture over the last 50 years, at least since the seventies at minimum? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, I was blessed to grow up in that era. Um, and, and, you know, hip hop was at its toddler stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up in Harlem when the projects were the safe haven. Mm-hmm. You know, I shared this with you before. All the drugs happened around, uh, the, you know, the projects. If I, I always, uh, you know, tell people I have conversations with, go and, and look at um, on YouTube. Look at clips of this slides of Harlem in the 80s and 70s and 80s and just look at what it looked like. You wouldn't believe it. Um, it. It wasn't that long ago, but you see the abandoned buildings. You see burnt cars in the street. Like, this was real, and this was not that long ago. You know, this was in my lifetime. This was when I was going to school, literally strapping my backpack and running home every day to get from my school to the projects. Right. You know, and I can remember vividly, I tell people, 1986, um, it was like that summer coming back from school. And, and seeing crack vials in the schoolyard, littered the schoolyard. And we thought they were like the little perfume sample bottles. Yeah. You uh, know, and then, <laughs> <laughs> like, am I supposed to put this? Ooh, no. Ooh, no, no. Like, we were looking at it like, wow. All the, and I'll never forget, it were yellow caps. We were like, like, they were, 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 like all these perfume bottles. Like, everybody. <laughs> no, no, it's... <laughs> Look, like, can I just imagine just as a kid you're just like, what what what's happening? Why 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 are people just trying to get so so right? Right, right. and it and it literally like, you know, I, I never, you know, I don't doubt, you know, if it ever came out that that, you know, the whole crack epidemic was a conspiracy, I'd be like, Yeah, I'm not surprised because it literally it was like it happened overnight. Like right. I like I was an elementary school kid. It literally happened overnight, like in the span of a summer, but then all of a sudden it was like boom. And, and that's, again, and it, it, look, all these things kind of resonate back to where we are today. But yep. before we kind of further delve into that, I kind of want to go into a little bit more on what you're just talking about, coming from that era into this and really how it led you into rugby initially. So, like, you're, you, were, you, you grew up, you were born in Harlem? Born in Harlem. Born and raised. Grant Projects in Harlem. Nice. And so... Being up in Harlem, being in Harlem in the seventy, in the seventies, eighties, nineties. All right. Yeah, well, I was born. Well, you could say I grew up. I was born in the seventies, but eighties, nineties is you know from uh, your era. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Strong Gen Xer. Strong Gen Xer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so you you're talking about this era where you where you have the most the establishment of all the this cultural branding probably came at its highest. You know that was. We're talking about the height of the beginning of, of hip hop, 
in its form. It is the beginning, it is the, the, the still resonance of Harlem as being the, the sole center of black America. I'm not even gonna let, give it to Atlanta at this point yet. I'll say Harlem is the, is the creative cultural epicenter of black America at this point still. You know, so for you coming into this era, like what what was the process like again, coming from being in Harlem, being in this Renaissance kind of period, and then entering into rugby, uh, a culture that obviously is not necessarily, you know, similar to what was. I mean, I think my perspective is definitely um, unique and fortunate. I mean, when I say I grew up in Grant Projects, Grant Projects was, is literally a 10-minute walk away from the Apollo Theater. Like, I grew up in, from the center, 125th, like right there. I uh, grew up on the South Street, which is the equivalent to 124th. So, um, you know, the Saturdays, you know, just remembering how it was something was always happening. Um, and so it was just the transition to that was I went to a small liberal arts school in upstate New York. And I was always an athlete growing up. Um, that probably stopped me from being bullied. <laughs> was the fact that uh, I, I was. So it's, it's taking advantage no, of what, the, what you no, have. No, no. I mean, it, no. It was from the fact that uh, you know, it was from a low-income family. My mom worked two jobs. You know, my brothers are eight and ten years older than me. So when I wore hand-me-downs, they were <laughs> hand-me-downs from eight and ten years. <laughs> so there was a little lot of fashion when I got them, but. But so consistent. I, you never had to buy new clothing, even if you, to buy, you know. <laughs> and and when I went to when I went to college, I initially went to went to Bard, Bard College to play basketball. Um, I was lucky enough to help start the rugby team. So that transition, I never had. I didn't realize, like even I think in that regard, I was a little protected and was able to build a little bond with the people there, my friends, people who I'm still close friends with now, because we weren't, you know, even though most of them came from positions of privilege, um, you know, by the time the second year, there were about six brothers on the team. So that was just something to have that kind of comfort. Um, You know, we had uh, Asian players, we had, uh, Latin, you know, Latinx. It was just, it was so, um, um, it was diverse. So it was like, it wasn't until we played against, uh, until we get played against, I'm going to say the team. It wasn't until we played against Oxford University um, that um, they came to our our pitch. Um, And we used to get about, we were fortunate it took off. We used to get about 200 fans in a game. 200 Good Lord. Fans. That's more than fortunate. For to this yeah. day, that's still like surpassing, yeah. for, especially for college grassroots. Because it was a phenomenon. You know what I'm saying? At a liberal arts school, it was like, wow. And it was made up of a lot of athletes that played other sports. We had soccer players. We had, um, we didn't have major sports. Like we had basketball. We had soccer. We had tennis. We had volleyball. We didn't have like the football. We didn't have hockey. We didn't have baseball. But we had a lot of players that played that at their other schools. And so in the athletes, we all hung out together. We used to always um, – we, we used to be able to sit at each other's tables. So it wasn't even like the soccer players sat with the soccer players or the – you know. And then 
We also had the part, you know, they would, they, we used to call it, the, you know, we didn't we used to call it a little Africa. We had the part where that was our section because we didn't have that many um, players, you know, not that many people of color um, at our school. Um, but we gravitated towards each other. We supported each other. Right. But at the same time, a lot of us were athletes and it was welcoming in that in a lot of regards, we were able to filter out. Um, and so when we played against Hofstra and one of them, you know, the game is about to start and one of them actually said, and I'm going to use the word, and we found out because Jessica, girl, 6'2", white girl, one of our best friends, we like biggest supporter. We just see her haul off and start swinging on one of their players. Oh, wow. Because one of them actually said, how many niggas do they have on this team? Wow. Wow. Wait, what year was this? This, this was in 95, 96. Wow. And for us, even then, that was just like, because that never, you know, it wasn't until, that was like our first full season. Right. You know, and it wasn't like, that was the wake up call where, um, you know, that wasn't even the first incident. You know, I remember the first time I saw someone do, um, it was the previous year when there was only two of us on the team at the time. And the first time we saw a team do a Zulu. And I was like, and they, yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, how do you, have, so when it came to that, and, and, and it's interesting, especially whenever you're starting a team like that, one, what was the motivation for you to start the rugby team in the first place? Because we're just talking about multiple cultural elements that are just occurring right now. So for you, what was that? What what even led to you being able to get to that? Point? I mean, it was it was it was like it was a group of us. Uh, some of the, a lot of those guys never played a particular sport before. Right. Um, I mean, they've played. They never played rugby, but they've played sports. We had like second all state catchers and quarterbacks, and you know. Pure was like second team all American wrestler, and this guy Seth. We were just like, eh, you know, let's form some kind of club, <laughs> you know, where we could, you know, get funding and hang out. Like it was just one of these things, and you know, and and we was like, we could even get the equipment. And I think, you know, I think Seth kind of kind of tricked us. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he said, "What about rugby?" You know, and we were like, I, I don't know what that is. You know that whatever but me i always played sports right and we just tried it i mean i think what the 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 motivation for me was he sat down with me uh it was one night and i wanted to learn more about it and what did he find you know he bought the the vhs of world cup jonah lomo i saw jonah lomo nice which was just that year, so it, it was, was it was right, right yeah, there. Yeah, man. So it was like, oh, oh, you know. And, like, and when I played, yeah, and we used to play pickup football on Sundays, and now mm-hmm. you know it was just I was hard to bring down, and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I can, I can do this, you know. It was just like, and then we learned the rules, and you know, we had uh, what's his name, George Hook. He came and did. Uh, I think he played for Ireland, veteran. Yeah. Uh, he came and did a weekend clinic with us. Wow. Um, we played against Marist College. They had a team for, for a minute. I think at that point, it was like 25, 26 years. And the first game we had, I'm not exaggerating, we probably had about 400, 500 fans. Like the whole school just couldn't believe that. I mean, there was professors, you know. Uh, we were really close with the, the families that worked in the cafeteria 
You yeah. know, the, especially the uh, the players of color. It was like, you know, that's that bond we kind of had. Right. And, and and they were white, like they were local, but it was just like that class was, thing. They took, yeah, they got it. You know, it was it was the down to earth feel plus like, yo, we're just we're all. Together. I feel yeah. like this is one of those advantages that come from going to a smaller school, and oh, yeah. that I always heard. So you're not com- you're not competing against multi million dollar sports. You're not, you know, and, and then so yeah. So when we so with that experience, and we lost our first game. Because, yeah. no, but the only reason why we lost to an established club was we literally picked up the winger from the soccer team. And I don't know if he forgot or maybe we didn't explain to him that we had to place the ball down. So if he puts the ball down in the trial zone, we actually win. Yeah. We lost 13-10. Oh, man. So basically just amateur error. Yeah. Simple amateur you know, error. And, 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 you know, and that was one of those things where for us it, it – it, um, you know, it, it took off from there. I mean, it, it 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 brought us all together, and we were. It was just an experience, and to see where the campus was and what the school did. And when I made the transition from, I, mean, I actually gave up um, my junior year, no senior year. That transition, I I wanted to. I stopped playing basketball. I, I just my grades went up. Um. You know, the support went up, the, the, the teamwork went up. You know, it was just like I felt like growing up playing basketball, even though it was very culturally embedded in who I was, it was yeah. always, it was still always kind of an individual effort for me. It was like, you know, a ticket out or from, from myself, it's a ticket out. It's a way out, you know, and to be able to be a part of a team at that point that it was still um, – majority you know white players but it was, it was close it was, was representation and it was close and it was representation you know and and the person who we started the team with like his his family bought our first goalpost they bought our first two set of jerseys nice. you know his family his family um did that and he and i was super close um and you know 1997 he had to take a semester off and then when he came back to visit us he died in a car accident oh, um coming back to visit and so, like, so there's a lot of rugby um, embedded in me, not as a sport, but, like, growing up, you know, growing up with another group of individuals to that fraternal, actually part of me. That fraternal, that fraternal action come into full fruition without actually having to join the fraternity. Yeah. Because it was something that it was, yeah, and, and which is what we always constantly want to sell rugby there's that fraternal sorority kind of feel to it um it's just a matter of trying to make sure that the culture establishes itself more and more in that basis but to be able to have that like that's real because i i always say like the one reason why i got sold on rugby wasn't so much just what to play on the field because playing football playing literally any contact sport i could get that same kind of rush but it was one what happened off the field that was more conducive to my element, my soul. And that's what ended up being like, okay, this is, this is a sport that I need to, to double down in. And obviously, you know, want to really make something out of it because it did have that, that element from that is, it's an underestimated concept, an underestimated concept. And I've, so, and I've never felt like I had to fit in. Like I've always been able right. to be who I, like, I've been, you know, I hear the more young people I speak to, I'm getting educated by them because I also realize for a lot of them, um, it's not even, and what I'm discovering, it's not even just people from marginalized, 
you know, groups. It's, it's a lot of people feel like they do a lot to fit in. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, and, and, and I'm learning that. And I feel like, wow, I've always, I've been fortunate enough where I see the adversity. I've experienced it coming from across the pitch. Right. I've experienced it, you know, at times when people don't realize, you know, on my team, it may have been comes, but I've never felt, you know, what I've seen and what I've heard. Um, you know, I felt isolated, but just hearing now, you would think with the amount, you know, of our people playing the game, you know, it, it's not, it's the same thing, you know, as what we just talked about earlier. It, it's, it's so much work needs to be done. Yeah. So much. No. So, and, 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 and it's, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit, yeah. but I kind of, I want to just kind of get to the point because I really want to get to where we, how it got to made, but I really want to get to the point and we'll be able to go from there. So for you jumping out from rugby from college, you have this family element, you're, you're out of college now. What, what happened after that? Like, did you just join straight into club? Did you take some time? Off? No, I, I was privileged enough, uh, to be a part of uh, Linwood in New Zealand for a little bit. It was a short stint, but um, it was to be able to experience you, it. You say this so casually, like it well, was a I mean, thing it, for you to go ahead into I mean, I mean that's, I'm, yeah, but it's a, it's a, you know, it, it's a, um, it wasn't, I'm a, it wasn't because of race, you know, that piece I'll just leave alone. It wasn't the club, but it was just the environment. So that's like, the, sometimes it's a part that I just choose not to, to really engage, but I do, you know, it's, I probably shouldn't even have mentioned it, but you know, I was able to experience it and go in, you know, to experience that for a little bit. But, but, but what was the reason? Cause again, that's why I said, no, it, oh, no, oh, no, it was the opportunity. It yeah. was the opportunity. Like I, I had the opportunity, um, coming out at that time, I was good enough, uh, you know, like in the region, um, and this is before social media, before people were taping, you know, videos. I was, I was fortunate enough to, um, play for the Albany Knicks, um, and it was, I was, like, more or less, I was a standout at that point, you know, um, but I never really knew the possibilities of of where rugby could go, and for me, I don't think it was at that level here, where, like, they weren't really sending people across seas, and there wasn't these inter-club connections now, so, yeah, you know. You know, and like I said, my experience had nothing to do with the with the with the club there. Right, but it was just the, the it was the opportunity. So in that impact, okay, so you have this impact of you're coming from uh, 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 rough areas. You have this family environment that comes in from the college that you're able to essentially curate and create within this diverse area. Then you're able to go overseas into this land area that you're able to get it. By this point, like. How is this perception growing in terms of your own personal philosophy? Because these are three very dynamically different cultures that you are intersecting with, but they seem very progressively climbing on each one. I mean, it is because it's just one of those things where I've always kind of looked at life as, you know, relationships. I always looked at the opportunities, like when I have these experiences is who I engage with and, you know, who am I, you know, what am I, what am I, like, what, what is a transactional um, relationship? Like, what is mutually benefiting? And I don't mean, like, what can you give me? It's just, it's just a feel. And then to be able to have these opportunities to, to climb, um, you know, 
it's so funny that you use the word climb and you know we could talk about that with me like that's why for me like using the, like stairs is such a thing you know stairs is just a uh is an example like levels and you know um like i don't even i'm just trying to think like sometimes it's just hard to put it in words you know it, it's it's emotional for me because I look at the people that I've known through this sport that I've lost and I've had a lot of loss in this sport. Um, and so I definitely think that climb has a huge deal to do with the approach that I have with young ruggers in, in communities. Now, I think whenever I played, you know, when I, even as a village lion, my attitude was always about the individuals that are giving up that Saturday to come play with me. Those individuals that are coming to practice and what is transactional in that regard for me to be able to make that sacrifice and to get them to understand that I understand that they're making that sacrifice. And that's, I think that's also the mutual benefit of me being able to work with young people as well. You know, like that's, that's a part of my everyday. Um, that's how when I work with students, that's how I, you know, um, able to manage that. So a lot of it is, I think a lot of times I never really look at, hey, I'm on this stage, you know, and it's not me being, you know, oh, being humble or like, that's just always how I looked at it. Right. Um, and I think playing sports, playing sports my whole life, like a lot of people see sports as like that big stage, you know, and for me, that was never uh a thing. It was always what I. It was just always what I. What I did. It was always, you know, you know, rucker basketball, playground basketball, uh, AAU basketball. Like playing in, in front of a crowd was was a part of your environment. So I think, um, it was. I've kind of always felt like I was playing for something bigger, especially once I realized that at times I was the only black player on the field. Right. You know, I think that's why I continue, you know, you know, being 44 now, I think that's why I still play. You know, I, that's, I feel comfortable now. Like, I'm ready to retire. I'm ready because I'm, I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm looking at the Derricks, the Kyles, you know, the Gavins, um, you know, the Jatavias. Um, I can go on and on, um, you know. Connor Wallace, like we can just keep going and going. I'm looking at these young men in Philly. I don't know if in my lifetime I thought I would see that. Like that's how much the sport has transitioned where our presence is, our presence is where we're present. And I love the fact that now we're starting to make that impact. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking, you know, especially during this time. So like right. that, I think I think as as everything that was happening, um, all the opportunities I had, um, you know, and maybe it would have been different. Now, you know, you look at all these, you know, you look at Tiger, you look at, you know, we have, you know, roots. I mean, just in terms of platforms that are available, unless it's maybe maybe if all that was there when I was younger, maybe it would have been different. I don't but, know, Be- because I don't, but I don't know. Huh? I said it does go back to that. What's the environment? So. Yeah. Even to even to your point, when you talk about presence, I remember I was talking with Ram Eddings, who's uh, the founder of the Grey Wolves, which was yeah. what I think it was the first predominantly black rugby traveling rugby team in the U.S. And he even spoke on these same situations 
of trying to become more present, trying to uh, uh, establish and, and con continue to create that connection for black players, particularly for black players, and trying to be able to find that placement where you are being able to get these guys who don't maybe know about the opportunities that are out there. Because there's always opportunity, but it's that unique, right opportunity. It's almost like finding a small school and just being able to attach them to it and present it. And even in his time, over the course of basically a decade, decade and a half, he was talking about, like, you just constantly are dealing with this, this question of, all right, am I doing this correctly? And are we putting this in place? Like, are we enacting the way that we want to? And, and you do the efforts. So I think that sometimes it's like it has to build in. Like, it's, it's set pieces. It's you have a first layer, and then something has to pull it back. Then the second layer kicks in, and it pulls it back a little bit. Then third. But each time you're doing it, you're padding down. You're padding down. You're padding down. Where now when you have those tigers and et cetera like that, the opportunity is much more of a lucrative one than it is maybe yeah. just a emotional one, yeah. which works together. No, I mean, but also, I mean, like, you know, it's kind of interesting what opportunities may I have taken to be, you know, to, you know, because at that time, I probably would have been, I'm looking at the culture if they existed, and I'm, you know, I'm looking, speaking in that time frame, <laughs> I probably would have been the only black person you know, you know, like <laughs> making you know, like, history, brother. Yeah, Make I mean, history. I mean, like that's one of those things where even is is. I mean, there's, there's an age difference between myself, Kyle, and Derek, but we always tell a story. Like we always, I remember, like you know, seeing Derek in a subway car. He's right. playing for Old Blue. I'm playing for Village Lions, and we're looking at each other like rugby, rugby, <laughs> brother, brother. You know, and then. That same year, literally, you know, Kyle is at Iona. Yeah. And we happen to have the same coach. His coach coached my men's club. And I saw, you know, saw him. And um, I, don't, I don't even know if I'm even saying this right. But, brother, it was funny. We kind of, like, gravitated and went and shook each other's hand because at that time I was the only, I was the only uh, black player on the first half of the Village Lions, and he was tearing it up at Iona. And I think yeah. that's – it made me the national run. And it's just funny, as they watch them get older and us being, you know, the few brothers at, at, yes. a, at, a, at, a, at a – you know, and then, and then – but even then, you know, looking back at it, I'm like, I don't remember – like now, I'm like, you know, I look at Coma. It wasn't that many sisters, you know, at these tournaments either. So, you know, like, let's – Let's look at it both sides. There's a whole nother right. you know, conversation within itself because I think in the scope, you know, getting older and being around, you kind of see, you know, everything as a whole. But, like, I often reflect, like, that's why, like, I have so much, so much respect for, for Coma Gandhi. Like, I remember meeting her and, you know, starting calling her, you know, sis and just remember always owning, you know, like, she was just always, she's always been a presence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> you know, that, that, that. It, it's, it's a comfort. I, it, it literally, as you speak of it, it reminds me of this thing that I've always said called uh, Black and Asia. And essentially it's that same concept of, you know, you're, you're, when you're out in this area where there's such a rare few, 
and you see, you know, obviously you see another black guy, another black person, it's the acknowledgement. That, that is the basis of it, the acknowledgement. But I had a situation when I was there and uh, this guy that I got to meet, it, it was that situation where it was like, we see each other, we're like, yo, brother, brother, brother. And it, but the, the feeling is, it's not, it's not just a, a rubbing, but it's the, it's the vibe of like, it's the vibe of not just knowing, not just knowledge, but it's like a continuity. It's like, yo, you are me and I am you. I, you are my keeper, I am yours. And I feel responsible to be able to maintain this in whatever brief or extended process it is. It's not, and, and as a result, I also get that same comfort of knowing, yo, you can be my keeper without, uh, in whatever short or extended form, but the knowledge of knowing that we are in this same presence and surviving is like confidence in and of itself. And it's also just looking at them and knowing that they were younger and just being like, you know what? And, you know, it, it's looking at them as the future of the sport and being yeah. like, you know, just to be able to be in a situation where like reflecting the amount of conversations that I've had recently and people are like, do you realize that you're the first black rugby player that I spoke to? Like, it's wild. that to me, that is, that's wild. You know, like that. I've had, uh, you know, kids say, hey, you don't remember me? And I'm like, no. They were like, yeah, at a tournament, um, uh, you know, it was, it was actually one of the Play Rugby USA first games. And they had, kids had basketball shorts, you know, and it was cold. It was New York Sevens. And they, you know, I walked over because I knew the coach. I played with, their, uh, with one of their coaches in college. And he asked me to come. And I sat down and spoke. And I'll never forget that, man. There was, you know, there were, there were, there were, 12 to 15 of our, our, of our black and brown youth, you know, and, and getting ready to play a game, play their first game or in their first tournament. And so, and then to come back years later and see, you know, to be at, be at a gala and, you know, I'm telling one of the kids who's graduating from there, who graduated an, an alum that I really appreciated his words and that his, 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 his speech was, was inspiring. He looks at me and goes, you don't remember me. And I'm like, no. He was like, well, I'm Ariel. I'll never forget that cold day. And, and he was like, you were the first black player that I spoke to. Dude, that's so dope. It's, and it resonates, it, resonates, it resonates like you'll never know until, and that's the people that talk to you and let you know. You don't even know those other ones that, that had that interconnection with you and were able to forever remember it and it just goes with the rest of their action, whether it's direct or indirect. The, the gym coach at my school, who the, the rugby, he, he has, he's in charge, uh, Aristotle Rivas, who, who's had over 200, probably close to 250 uh, middle schoolers play rugby um, at our school. It's the most popular elective at our school. He was mm-hmm. also in that group, and I didn't realize it until, I wow. didn't realize it until we ended up in the same place. We've seen each other around, but then we started walking. He said, yeah, I remember you. And I'm just like, <laughs> wow. So, so is it with these, with this, this, these realizations, this, this understanding, is this what ends up motivating what made was, uh, you know, essentially? I mean, the motivation behind that was, um, you know, playing rugby and uh, Village Lions. Um, we just made you know, playoff run. We had a rough season afterwards when we tried to move up to D1. Um, 
And, you know, I was working, uh, I was a behavior specialist in the Bronx, but that's when gym memberships are still like 70, you know, this is before Planet Fitness and New York Sports Club. So, you know, gym memberships are like $70, $80 a month. Right. And, um, Y'all's crazy and at New that, York prices. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I couldn't afford it. And where I lived at the time, the park that I grew up around um, had stairs. And one day, I, I used to run around the park. I used to jog. And, and then one day I said, let me just hit these stairs, you know, just start running these stairs. And it became a pattern of running stairs. And then I started doing circuits. So I started doing, you know, set the timer for 10 minutes, push-ups. Um, you know, I laugh now because this was like way before, you know, this was like before CrossFit became big. So I'm doing circuits, doing squats, push-ups, <laughs> and then the stairs. How many times I could do it in, um, you know, 10 minutes. And then I would add a minute. Or the, you know, I would just play around with it. Now I'm going to add this. Now I'm going to add that. Right. And that's when kettlebells got big. So I got one kettlebell. Started, you know, squats with the kettlebell. You know, snatches, running up and down the stairs, running up and down the stairs. And then that was that, it was like a transitional summer where I lost a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone was, you know, my teammates were like, hey, what are you doing? How can we get in on that? What can we do? And I said, this is all I'm doing, just come. And so it started with a, with a handful. Um, and it was crazy because it, it was, even within that handful, it was a diverse handful. And my teammates came and then, my brother came out, the you know, different people from my life uh, started. One of my best friends who was one of the real motivations behind it, he had a stroke, I believe, 34, 35 years old. And, you know, that was, that was the big community aspect of it for me. It was kind of like he had, you know, all of these things that was going on. And we were, I was kind of detached from his life. And I had known him since I was 13 years old. And so that was the, that made it a little bit more communal for me. That's when I started inviting people from the neighborhood that I grew up with, which was right down the hill. Um, you know, they started small world. Some of the people that were coming out, I didn't even realize that their children were students at the school that I was the, that I was the behavior specialist at the time before yeah. I was dean at that school. Um, one of, you know, one of the kids there, his mom helped. It was like, you know, it was a babysitter from time to time. And my mom knew her mom and they were best friends. And I had no idea that was her son. Like, that's how disconnected, you know, oh. where. So it, it, it's kind of, feel, it feels like two parts. It feels extremely wide in terms of the disconnect, but it also shows like how small, how connected, how small the community yeah, yeah. really was I mean, simultaneously. And, yeah. And I, I mean, and, and that's the, I'm sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> but. Dag, <laughs> whenever he sees the mail, I'm like, yo. <laughs> He's never done that. He's like, yo, I want to get into the conversation too. Like, why are you trying to hold me out for I'm like, <laughs> sorry about that, Gif. No worries. My bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was just one of the things where that was disconnected. Um, but at the same time, it was like, it made me realize that that process wouldn't be so hard to kind of bring it back together. Right. You know, um, and, and I kind of felt like that was something that needed to happen. And I think, you know, what kind of tied it together was in 2014 when I lost my mom, you know, that was just um, one of the things 
Um, my drive for community comes from her. You know, she was a community mom. If you ever come across any of my friends I grew up with, they're always going to tell you a story about my mother. Um, you know, what she did. And, you know, she ran a soup kitchen. She supervised a soup kitchen and food pantry for almost 20, 25 years. And just that whole, even when she was sick, um, you know, terminal, diagnosed, uh, you know, stage four, she could move. She would actually, she was actually still going on Mondays. Like, I got to get there. Like, this is what's keeping me, you know, moving and, and, and that need and that connection. And so, I mean, I definitely think in that regard on my mother's son. Um, not just because I wake up and I try to be, it's, it's, it's the values. It's and, yeah, it's the values that um, her and as well, I think what she radiated to a lot of people, yeah. they kind of brought it, they kind of brought it back to, you know, to me. And so that, that push of it being, you know, fitness, um, I always, you know, fitness is, is an, be honest, it's an easy way to bring people together. Right. And then, but when you, it's what kind of feeling or what kind of atmosphere you, you create when you're there, you know, like my attitude was always, I'm going to be at the, the stairs training, you know, you can come if you'd like, but yeah. I'm going to no, be no. here. Yeah, whether it's one of us, whether it's 12 of us, we're we going we gonna to get this work in. And, you know, even when I tell people, I say life happens. You know, I would get text messages and, and people would say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I'll be there. I'm like, be accountable to yourself. If you're not there, you're not there. Right. It's, it's, not, you know? it's not make or breaking your time or situation. Yeah. You're going to yeah. do it. This is just, hey. Yeah, don't, you don't need my permission to be life. If you can't make it, you can't make it. Man. You know? <laughs> Dude, it's it's real. And you know what? Again, it goes back, and it feels like there's the, the, the reoccurring concept that you have for that philosophy of, look, I'm here to do this. And it, it, it kind of makes sense, again, kind of jumping back a little bit, but what you did at Bard uh, with being able to create that team and then moving forward where it's just like, look, I'm going to be part of this. You can come join with me to be part of this. We can make it work, and it becomes an attraction. So you set a family in one, you set a family in another, and then subsequently you create another set of family, even with with the with the maid situation, with the yeah. early stages of the maid situation. The key component being like, hey, I'm a ten. I, I'll be an unintentional tent pole for this. It's yeah. it's just you're invited to be here. You are not required. You're not mandated. And then I got into the whole, you know, when as I be. As I delved more and did more of a deep dive in education um, and just buying in, like fully buying in because it felt innate, the whole idea of restorative practices, um, you know, and a lot of people look at it as forms of intervention, um, you know, restorative justice, restorative practices. People look at so much the amends, you know, making amends piece of it that a lot of people are key, but there's so much that can be done on a community level that makes it, you know, preventative. It's, it's just... Uh, you know, I was going to say, if you can, can you quickly define restorative practices for... Well, well I mean, I mean to, to, to... Or to, summate it might be a better... Yeah, yeah I mean, just to, to put it in a way, it, it's, it's basically, it's been used throughout history, through tribal, you know, through cultures, through um, indigenous peoples. It's the whole concept of a, of a council. You know, it's a whole concept of everyone has a stake in a community. Everyone has buy-in. Um, there's, you know, basic rules when you sit in a circle, 
um, you know, like such as like speak from the heart, listen from the heart, be mindful of others' time, um, one mic, and it's usually a talking piece. So we like so for us, like that's something that um, our ancestors like that's something that that was the in a lot of ways the cultures that we grew up around, um, and it's just I always. I consider myself to be the community facilitator. Right. And so when you use it in schools, the reason why it's amazing in schools is that everyone has a stake and that everyone um, has a, has a voice. So it's kind of like if, if an infraction is caught is caused, or if an infraction happens, let's say if there's bullying, right. A lot of times schools take the power away from the individual that has been bullied. They're right. saying you're a bully and we don't do this at the school. So you cause an offense to the school. They don't really pay attention a lot of times to the individual that was harmed. So right. a lot of times you don't. So in, 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 in restorative practices, you know, we would ask the questions like what happened? You know, what were you feeling at the time? So we like we go through these series of questions and you, and you get to say, like, what do you think needs to happen to make it right? Mm-hmm. simple there's no you know like those simple and and you ask those to all parties involved you could ask that to the kid who was being bullied you right. ask that to the bully and you, right. and you ask it to the people who witnessed it you know and, and so it, it gives everyone time to process it's and it's not an easy process it's not a short process you know um you know that's that's the summation of it you know right. a lot of it, it it is what's your stake what's your voice speak your truth um, cause a lot of times that's when you really get into the deep dive and you create that platform where you're not targeting because then when you do, you know, when you have enough, uh, infractions, you know, like we still use that language, you know, of misconduct and offender and, um, which is, which is straight dialogue that, that contributes to just to, more of the to, isolation to, and to, just to, confusion. To, the school is in pipeline. Yeah. You know, that's just, if you look at, if you look at, our New York, if you look at the handbooks, you know, there's a lot of it as if it's like, there's the law, you know, we're touching, you know, like in my school, we don't have school safety. We don't have police officers. We don't have, you know, it's a middle school, but this is a middle school in Washington Heights. About mm-hmm. 90, 97, 98% of our kids are, are, are black and brown kids from the community. We don't, we don't, you know, there's no police in our school. There's no, there's no, you know, we, we get the parents to understand they have to buy in. You know, this is not a, a upper middle class neighborhood. This is not, you know, this is Washington Heights, right. you know? It sounds like, but it sounds like because of the fact that you guys are taking the time to learn the why and the depth of the why, it actually gives the kids not only a chance, like you're explaining, not only a chance to, not, it doesn't just give the, the, the teacher and the infractor a chance to be able to hear the kid out. But it gives that kid a chance to actually process their actions more. So it's now going from, oh, it just makes me mad to, oh, now we're creating the conscious decision. Oh, now I have a choice, but now I know why the choice is being made. And subsequently, whatever choices are being made after that get layered against that that former data piece that is now being yeah. I mean, I mean and- and I know, I mean, just for time's sake, but I do want to, I want to just give you a quick example. Yeah, please. Um, we had a, we had a student, um, this is not in my current school, but this is a previous place I worked. We had a student who reported another student bullying him, right? And so we had, 
a conversation with this student who was being bullied. And he was like, well, why um, did did this happen? Yeah, you know, I was mad. I threatened him. And I'm like, why? You know, how long? So this has been going on for about a week, week and a half. Kid owned up to it. This was a you know private conversation. And I was like, why? He goes, every time, you know, like the teacher, Ms. Blank, I'm not going to throw under the bus, on, <laughs> but she, she, she focuses on, you know, being prepared for class. And, and I knew that the other student, he has, he always has pens and pencils. He has a whole case. And I asked him, could I borrow a pen? And he said, no, I don't have one. And I know, like, I'm looking at him and he has it. Right. So, my question now is, you know, talking to him and processing with him, like, I, you know, what was probably another way you can handle it, you know, and, and mind you, at that time, about 70% of our students, um, probably a little less, but if you look at the actual, if the kids had individualized education plans, would have qualified as, as being special ed. Um, is is you know, and so, we talked to the other young man. Is that true? Yeah, because I always lend my stuff out and I don't get it back. Interesting. So now we have a reason. It's not. It's not malicious. It's no, and, 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 and so the kid that is bullying, you know, the kid that the kid says is bullying him. Yeah. Um. You know. So we have this conversation, but my pushback now goes back to the teacher. Okay. Like, you want kids to be prepared for class, but we also have to understand it's you giving kids straight zeros. Like, we understand, like, I'm not sitting there saying in situations you always have to excuse, but we also have an understanding of the backgrounds, especially this particular student's situation when I'm not going to say his name, but you know his family's in a shelter. Like, why, you know? Give him a, like, wait, there's, there's, we can give a framework with a flexibility. Yeah. It's okay to maintain the framework. We get it. But also understand what is the situations that can be able to fit between there. And and at the same time, and I understood her reasoning for it because a lot of schools do that, but she was literally one of few teachers, like maybe one of two teachers that did that, that graded kids on preparedness, you know, uh, for class. Instead of, you know, like now I like being in an environment where, we have a kind of uh, we have, we call prime time. Mm-hmm. In prime time, we go through Monday. You come in and we make sure you're prepared for the week. Okay, nice. You know what I'm saying? Do you have your pins? Do you have your pins? We have that time. It's your laptop charge. You know, we get like every student comes in to get a laptop. Like, right. so is your laptop charged? Are you ready? Did you go through your email? Like, you know, so like that's part of the teacher's job as well. It's a, it, so Monday becomes a mulligan day as opposed to having to worry about it Sunday night where there's not as much control. Monday gives them a chance. So four days out of the week, they should be at least at least have had the help to be prepared. Yeah. But Monday, at least you get and that makes it take away that uh, takes away the uh, this, the stereotype of a crappy Monday. Like it's everything ready. And even then, most teachers do that every day. You got, you know, it's, it's a 35 minute period. So it's like, hey, you got. 10 minutes, you know, you got 10 minutes to make sure you got everything you need. If you don't have it, let us know. If not, you know, so okay. it, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's getting you to practice like good habits. Like they go through the practice of making sure they're prepared. You, right. you can't tell someone to be prepared if they really don't know what that means. If they've never had that the, discipline set into 
their yeah. habit. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you putting someone at scrum half <laughs> for the first time or every game and they don't, you know, understand like they don't, you know, a fly. Like they, they, there's no, there's no practice. There's no. Right. Which should be, which is generally part of the purpose of school and the loan, which is to be able to help you prepare in totality as you create these habits and actions that will, you know, resonate themselves or should resonate themselves in the future. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's holistic, you know, it's just dealing with everything on a holistic level, Um, you know, and I think, I mean, and that's what, I mean, and, you know, bringing it back to your point, I think those are the things that I've learned over the years. And I think that's what the, the push is, I would say within made where it's like rugby is a tool, you know, like with made, it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a, I'm not knocking, you know, any, but it's not, it's not the product. It's not the, you know, like a lot of programs, you, they put things together to play good rugby. Like they won a lot of, and where for me, it's creating the environment with anyone that yeah. if you're going to be a great rugby player and the values of what we're looking to build as a community is made helps, cool. If you never play rugby again and you, you decide to be a guy... We're still here. Like, there's, it, there's no, you know, to me, it's, it's more about understanding, you know, those routines, that, that um, restorative practice, those conversations. And even within yourself, it's everyone has a story, you know, like everybody who we, you know, who we engage within our group is, I want to hear your story. Like, I want to hear as much as you want to divulge. And, you know, I want to hear your truth. And, right. and you know, it, it's all about we uh you know, Hunter and I, we've been working together. He's basically, he's a partner. Um, I asked him to. And it's just because his level of, uh, you know, authenticity. Um, you know, after knowing him for a while, knowing um, what he's invested in a, in a lot of uh, kids um, and people, it's, it's just one of those things where you, you know, you look at him um, I mean, Roots, I can use, also use Roots as an example. Another mm-hmm. part with, with, with Roots is, you know, it's, a, it's the highest platform for the rugby diaspora, but more importantly, I'm invested in them because yeah. those are authentic, like Kyle, like they're, like they're, to me, you know, I look at, you know, I, I bring on even Jatavia with May. She's, she's, to me, she, I call her, she's a U23 consultant. Right. Just in terms of the different perspectives that she brings to me as a young person. But those are the people that I see getting up trying to be their best selves. It's, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect every day. But, but these it's are intent. Yes. It's working and the willingness to work towards it. You know, and, and I mean, and I say more than anything with, with roots, like that's my drive to, to, to continue to, to work and be a part you know, of that family. Um, like I said, I brought up Jatavia. We Another young man that you guys are definitely going to hear about, uh, Oliver Fagan. He's out in Cali um, yep. deciding where, 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 you know, where he's headed. And it's just, you know, I'm not trying to find the, the best rugby players. I'm just looking for like-minded individuals. Like when I put up posts, I'm not worried about, um, you know, how many likes or followers, you know. I'm, I'm trying to see who's reaching out and, hey, what is it about? Um, you know, and I'll tell them, and a lot of people are just like, cool, like, you know, uh, uh, do you mind, 
you know, making, I don't mind somebody saying, could you make me a video? Or could you do this? Or could you, or like how you did this picture? Or could you do this? And then that's how the relationships built. You know, they say, I was following your page. Like, this is an interesting quote or a post or a logo. And it's just like, it just, it just takes off from there. Um, I get the process of attracting people into the family and create, bringing them yeah. into the community. Yeah. I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to have 200,000 followers or make, you know, it, it's, it's, it's about, you know, it's about community. And I tell young people like, Hey, I'm selfish. Like, you know, when I have kids, you guys are responsible for taking care of mine. So, you know, I'm trying to create you know, that, that space, you know, to, to be in a place where, um, you know, the future is surrounded and guided by, you know, authentic people. Right. People, you know, like it, I always say, like, made equals community, which equals best self, which equals high performance. And when I mean high performance, doesn't mean showing off or exhibiting. It's what's your what's your daily intention? You know, when you get up in the morning, what what are you good with? In, in terms of what do you feel you need to be your best self? No, and I think that's real because, look, I remember, I always love referring back to this, but whenever I was talking with Farrah Douglas with uh, Mount St. Mary's, um, speaking with her, it was such a relation whenever she was te- talking about how much identity impacts field play. And to what your point is, and not directly to field play, but to the point of determining identity and being able to know self, in being able to create that community and be able to have that confidence to be able to be your vulnerable self and to be your your full self, you're able to be able to get far more introspection on who you are as a person, which can only that only matures you and makes you stronger because of the fact that there becomes more settlement in that. And so to have a protective yeah. area. And, 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 and to pretend where, you know, it's just like there is a struggle. You know, there is that struggle through your experiences in life. When you do come across you know, this climate of, of, you know, racial and social injustice and, you know, and being able to reflect into the, you know, to the point where, but also I, I can recall incidents in which I could have easily been the target of a race attack. And, you know, I can count on a few, you know, you know, times where the people who stepped up and, and, and whipped butt were, were white because they saw what was happening. And, right. and looking at that, and constantly, like, not saying, like, there's never an identity thing, but it's just interesting where it's just, like, what makes those moments, you know, like, we can figure out what makes those different. But also, like, I, I wake up every morning, know when I step out of my building, I know I'm a black man. Like, I, you know, the community, it ends a butts about it. You know, that's one of the things that, my mom always told me, she said, love who you love. Um, you know, you know why you choose your friendships. Um, invest in your friendships. And that's what I think ties it all back to restorative practices. It's investing. It's investing in people. It's, and investing doesn't mean put trust. You know, you invest sometimes to get perspective. You invest to, to learn more about yourself. Um, right. And so that, that it always comes back to that piece of, of like, I'm very aware of who I am. Like, I have no questions about, uh, you know, that identity. But I also realize, like, the world, you know, that I've, that I've been exposed to. And, and, and be, because of that, I'm able to walk not a straight line, but I'm able to walk a line. 
I'm able to walk the straight line, you know, as a black man. I don't bite my tongue when it comes to injustice. I don't bite my tongue um, when I see things that just, you know, not just race, you know, like obviously, but, you know, social injustice, any issue. issue. Um, um, I mean, even in one of the things that I brought up, bring up with uh, like Jatavia and Oliver, in our chats is adultism. Like that's a huge thing. Like everybody thinks they know what's best for kids. Like even this whole crisis, like everyone is taking a stance to protect kids and, or, or, you know, cause that, that drains all the way back down to I'm the adult, do what I tell you, or an adult knows what's best, or we have nothing to learn from young people or the young, they're lost. You know, they don't, that still exists. Um, so it, it's just so much that, that we contend with on the day to day. Um, and I think, and also to bring it back, that's where I'm seeing now this, this utopia that people had of rugby is being stripped away. This, because all this stuff is coming to light now, all of this, you know, I'm hearing conversations of how when players are being recruited, how, you know, they don't like how the coaches are reaching out or how they're talking to them or coaches or the, the way teach, you know, coaches are, you know, gathering information and is bringing, you know, it's just like from that to from young players, you know, to everything that we're dealing with now, you know, in terms of, you know, the, you know, transphobia, right. uh, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's even, it's interesting because, you know, it, it's one of those messages that I, I think have steadily been coming in and, like, I, we talked before we jumped onto the podcast, but, like, this 2020 year, I think leading into it, I, I, I know for a lot of people, and I know for me, I always felt like this is going to be a major change year. Like, I didn't know what it was going to be. This was like, yo, this is going to be a year, and I think this has been it. But I think there's been so many things. This, whenever we talk about, like, the issues that happened, like, I remember this movie, this rugby movie that came out uh, about – three years ago called Mercenary. It, it's a French movie, but it was about this Samoan guy. Uh, yeah, the Samoan guy who got basically recruited from Samoa to play for teams up in France. But basically, it was just like an abuse system of exploiting these Polynesian guys in this rugby system and going through. And it's, it's not to say, obviously, well, whatever we can say, not all rugby people are blah, blah, blah. We know the line. Right, but the concept is, yo, this game, as beautiful as it is, and the culture that as nice as it can be, it has its dark spots. It's it's the same reason why it's whenever people go, oh, rugby is safer than football because of concussion, because lesser concussions, and you're like, well, no, you've got to actually factor in that concussions are just are can still happen in rugby. Don't use these these false hyperbolic statements as your your set piece because there's a truth in rugby of safety and community, but you have to be genuine that goes along genuine with what it goes along with. And so it's like these concepts, yeah. I mean, no, and, and, and like that, I think that's the, that's the hardest part. And I think, you know, that's something that I, I, I deal with now, you know, I don't, you know, every, anything that, you know, we do. Um, and when I say we, like, I, you know, like, there's no initiation, right? There's no fee. Like I consider you, you know, to to be a part of the community. If we're reaching out and we having these conversations, and you right. invest in it as much as you want to go, um, 
and, and they got like there's no magic uh, speech or words. It's just what you said is being genuine. But a lot of people think, but that's what, when I go back to, well, you know, what I said, you know, made equals community equals best self equals high performance. Like your genuine, that high performance piece is your self work. Like, are you really, you know, I don't want to say trying your best or trying your hardest to perform or to do it's, are you really looking within yourself? Like, are you really, you know, like we have these times where we look like social media, I love to watch because it's just to, and I don't mean like, I, I don't comment. It's just, it, it's just it's interesting. Just seeing that, that the emotion, seeing how people end up. Yeah. You, themselves. You, you learn, you know, why people do it. And, and I've learned to do it and try to do it with, without judgment. Right. You know, cause that you end up on overload, you know, like you understand, you know, like if somebody says something that you don't like, you know, my, my whole thing is if you have a relationship with a person, I'm going to call them. I'm not going to get into it, engage in a back and forth on the words, on, on you know, on, on their page. But certain people, I don't know their story. You know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they had a history of being, you know, bullied or teased. And so, therefore, they're going to speak up. You know, it's just so many layers to everything. Right. When you, when you learn this. It's, it's just always have that open line of communication to be able to hear each other's story, you know, um, you know, instead of assuming or, or you're being, right yeah, being righteous about your approach that your experience is better than theirs or your, their experience is wrong. And I think that is one of the most important factors. I know for me, it has been that, that learning process. And then, like you said, being able to watch it, it's, it's two parts. It's understanding both the complexities of people by also simultaneously recognize the trend and pattern of people generationally. And a lot of times we often think that the trends really differ from time to time, but human behavior still ends up being human behavior. And you have to understand that the complexity of the individual person has a tendency to just develop the same cycle of human behavior to the point where you go like, I get it. Like, I, I get where it's coming from. It's it's not, like you said, knowing the background, it might not be as malicious in their head or it might not be as kind as they want to pr- try and portray it. But the intention comes from these habits and actions that... And then, and then sometimes, though, you know, and it's just like, but also I have, you know, I have a lot of respect because sometimes, it's, especially if you know the person, like sometimes yeah. what's wrong is wrong. You know, you put something racist or... Facts. <laughs> you know, Facts. You know, they, but even, they, no, no, you but know, look, even, even within a racist statement, like, yeah. and don't get me wrong, it's not racist and, oh, don't leave him alone, but there is a reason that comes behind yeah. it. Oh, yeah, and, and what I'm saying is I respect that when people are confronting it and in and, and, and the way... You cheat. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm one of those people where, like, if I do something, you know, call me out, you know, but it's, you know, it's, 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 there's, you know, people have their own methods and their ways of doing it, but I just feel like sometimes when that happens, it never leads to, yeah, when you, exactly. when you, when you enter a situation, you have to wait. Did you want something productive to come out of it? Right. Did you want a result? Or were you expressing how you felt about, and both can be valid. Like, if your intention was to go in and say, I want to blast this person because what they were wrong versus, right. hey, I want this person 
to get this, this thing out to, of to it. never do this again right like it, it is it is it is a different, and that's why i say it goes back to that understanding of the trend because it does let you know one maybe how to have a better awareness of how to feel that energy out and be able to properly convey or not convey what you have in mind and even in that 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 thought process even inserting yourself it's letting yourself know why you feel this need to insert yourself into the situation if you're really trying to have that that energy because everything comes with that deeper why yes. it, it comes with that deeper why and um, and, it's, and I think the hardest thing is like even with myself I'm still trying to figure out that why like you right. know we we all you know I th- I think concept. that's 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 the journey right you know that journey is figuring out that why. No, and, and it, it it says a lot into that effect. So you know, with as you're continuing this process and you're you're working with these young players, and you see what's happening in rugby for you, you know, I don't want to say you know what the solution is because it's never one kind thing. It's not a one process thing. But for you, what is the as we say the momentum? that you are seeing or you hope to be able to see that can help kind of lead things, maybe not to the utopia, because utopia typically yeah. means that there's something being subjugated down, but to the, the community cohesion that can occur that, you know, we stand by, that I mean, or I, hope to stand by. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, there's a couple things. There's like a lot of, there's a lot of programs that think they have the way there's a lot of programs that do a lot of things right, but they're not talking to each other. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're not looking to, um, you know, when I say, you know, made is a community, um, it's just kind of setting a platform in terms of like, you know, there's roots. I have conversations, uh, you know, just kind of a think tank with, um, you know, Will Snape of Play Rugby. Like we talk, like just to kind of chat because at the end of the day, he's still working with hundreds of young people, right. you know? Um, and so it's being able to understand, like, if you really want the sport to take off, right? And I'm not going to say the sport, the community to take off. Like, we, like, just to play in words a little bit, we need to remove the sense of entitlement to be an entity. Right. You know, we're not an entity. Rugby, no matter what people say, I look at New York City, right? And we have our elite clubs, right? That in terms of that that play on that high level. But, and there's clubs that do, that do community work. There's clubs right. that do a great, but it's just like, why are we tying this together? Like why, you know, like it, it, it's, when you look at the struggles in order for us to be an entity in New York, you know, like Village Lines and Old Blue can do a community service together. It's like, we, one of the things that I love about the sport having, um, you know, more black and indigenous people of color is we've been through so much, like mm-hmm. the, the club rivalries are ridiculous to us in a lot of ways. We want to play for the best club and we want to win. Right. But we look at each other. It's like what you said before, like that was the difference. And let's say, you know, when Kyle, uh, um, when Kyle is with Nyack and, and Derek is with old blue, you're like, brother, brother, it's like, you can't tell me that. But we've probably been through, like, all the stuff that we've been through in our life, all the hate that we encounter off this bitch, you expect me to be like, oh, Bring my God. <laughs> I hate him because he's wearing that jersey. Like, that's just not, you know. Not and, I, and I think that's the, the 
growth, and that's the impact. You know, even though, we, we, you know, as we've seen articles and we're hearing stories and we're seeing videos, you know, that's the battle that I'm happy that we're, 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 we're fighting. Right. Now, and, 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 and we're engaged in and we're supporting. Um, because I believe that now when we step on that field, um, we see that it, it's, it's, a, it's a sport for opportunity and bonding. And and I think that's the growth, and that's the direction that we need to continue. Um, I I mean, for myself, it's taking these experiences and run for board positions. You know, be coaches. Right. Run for club VP. Run for club president. You know, like that. I'm 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 happy. And I'm looking at my team right now, like the 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 shift that the Village Lions have, you know, have, have you know have has been inclusive. But just in terms of, you have Coma, um, who's you know men's head coach, right? You know, me being able to be on the board of directors, um, you know, on our board, um, you know, it's it's you know Eugene Aiken and 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 we're in you know the invitation to. A, a, a lot of young young brothers and sisters, um, and if you're the only person there, you need that support. Like it's creating that kind of a network. You know, that's why I see, you know, Roots and Made together, providing that network in terms of you want to run for VP, but you don't know how what you do. Reach out and have a conversation. You right. know, and if you feel that in your conversations you're being railroaded, you know, we can talk about, you know, strategies, or we can see what's up and why is that happening, you know? And, and I think, like, as we start, and I think, like, my generation, and this, it, probably within my 10-year gap, yeah, we're starting to see us up in the coaching positions and in those positions. And I think, like, at, at what point do we say, like, that's what we need to do, like, and, and step up and, and fill those roles, you know? And I think it's one of those that that was that's why I go back to like what we were talking about, like what would have happened if the opportunities like Tiger and everything had existed back in maybe the 90s mm -hmm. uh, and, and how it would have changed the way the career goes. I think this also plays into that, yo, you you have this long this history where you understand deeply a lot of the issues that ha occur within it. And so when the time comes to step up, there is it's not even just like. A natural inclination to hit it but it's almost like a, um, a, a a must that is like I need to step into this board and what ends up happening is that rolling effect so what we see now is while it'll be it may was maybe 20 years between a board member of color or uh, a person of board member of color or some disenfranchised group getting into it now it goes to 10 years now it goes to five years in between now it drops to one now it's just from cycle to cycle to cycle. And now then it's just the norm. But we see these generational shifts over and over and over again. But yeah, that yeah. becomes part of that mentorship. That becomes part of that opportunity and creation of these opportunities that we were able to observe prior to and now bring yeah. forward. But we have to push yeah. it forward as well. And even on our, on our club, we've had the beauty in the past. And I think like it would have been interesting to see the momentum that we have now you know, and, and also to be like, to also acknowledge that we've had, um, since I've been on the team, 
um, yeah, two two women of color. Uh, they were presidents of our club, you know, and nice. and I think, but I think like now is as this grows, like I, and and they're very impact now. Um, you know, they, you know, they're, they're still a support. They're still visible, but it's just like, it's interesting to see where the momentum is now. And then it just kind of goes back to look at the, the framework in, in which they, you know, laid down in their own way um, for the club to, to, you know, to be able to move forward and exist, exist and create this, this space now where, you know, the players, especially the players of color uh, on my team, um, you know, it's not saying like, oh, we were just grunted, but it's like, nah, like we're in a position on a club where we can we can have an impact. Right. And you, you have to think, and this is, this is what's always asked. It's like, hey, how do you get inside the room? How do you become part of the room so that you can open up these other opportunities? And this is one of the things that I think is, like you said, like what you do, what, what you guys have done with Roots, and even, you know, like I told you with um, – with, with Ram and Grey Wolves, even all these industry, you know, Phaedro, PSK, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have these multiple opportunities to now in, step inside and be like, okay, let's let's not just try and have you guys go out and find the culture. It's like, we're going to keep bringing the culture in. And it's going to set it sets up the planes for everybody else. Just yeah, I mean, setting that, up the planes. And I think that's what Roots has done. You know, I look at, you know, Hayden, um, you know, who, who had a, a, a strong impact for me, who was the first, he was the first black rugby player I'd ever seen, right. you know, live, up, in, up close in person, playing for Old Blue at Van Cortland Park. And then just hearing, like, you know, like you said, Phaedra, like, just being like, for a while, this girl, I don't know if she ever felt this way, you know, like, I, you know, it's a conversation I would love to have her, but it was like, I viewed her as like someone on an island. Like she was out there. Right. <laughs> you know, like I'm like, she's out there doing it, you know, in, in, in a sea of people that don't look like us, she was out there doing it, you know, and, and, you know, just having that much, that much more love and respect um, for people that you meet over time, you know, and, and I think a lot of times when, you know, it's bridging that gap with the old to the young because a lot of people see it and when they hear things and when you see it through social media or you read something, your spin on it is like, what did they do? Or why aren't they doing more? Or why aren't mm-hmm. they doing this? And, but it's just like, create the space to be able to sit down and reach out and actually have that conversation and be able to have that story. Like if you're real quick to text, the amount of time it, for you to formulate a text and have a back and forth, we could have had a conversation. A full conversation, a full conversation that also contains the enunciations and the tonalities that go along with every word. So it's not. Just, yeah, at the end, you may still disagree, but you know, to me, that yeah, the, the finger, you know, people finger game is is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, and and, I, and I'm not going to sit there. You know, when I I went through the phenomena of social media. You know, and it was just like, it was never anything that was like degrading or crazy, but it was just like, did I have to send something? <laughs> you know, did I have but to? That's, that, it's so interesting as you say that, because that's, that's kind of part of this interesting phenomenon, because for you, you would have been the generation right outside of social media. You were already of college age right before, way before, yep. not way before, but right before. No, you know, no gift, gift. I, I grew up on this. 
That was the fun. What I mean, not saying anything. No, I don't, yeah, I don't even mean on social issues. I mean, like, someone put something up about sports. And I was just like, I didn't have to, you know, it was like. There's no inclination to do it. It's why. Yeah, why? I mean, why, you know, it wasn't about, you know, it was like, I'm not even talking about big stuff. I'm talking about, like, why? Like, why did I? <laughs> no, and it, 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 like I said, it goes back to that interesting way of communicating because even for me, for me, my, for us, Social media came up with us from that early high school, that late high school uh, with with MySpace going into being in college at the early stages of Facebook when it was just cause X. So there's that 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 incline to have to be part of the conversation some way, which had to be kind of rolled back a little bit because it's like, wait, wait, what conversations are we having? And, and to your point, like what energy are you kind of putting into each of these situations? Why can we not just do a phone call or we can more direct contact in this public forum that is occurring. You know, some of the but, conversations that I have with young people, it's just like they'll reach out and even I was like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I was I would say like, why did you put that much energy to it? And they'll say blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. And then a lot of times they'll think about it. And I would ask like, what was, what was your, you know, what was intent versus impact? You know, right. or, you know, or, you know, one of the things I always say is like, you're entitled to all the feelings in the world, but be mindful of what you put out there in the universe. You know, um, and, and, and at the end, if you feel what you did was the right thing and you were willing to live by whatever choice that you made. Right. Then that's. That's you. And, and, and as long as your choice didn't really impact others, then I'm still going to rock with you. Like, I just, okay, now, you know, it, it, it's, it's when people put things out and they throw other people under the bus and then, you know, it's just. You know, it, it becomes... It goes back to that thing of, or what are we actually doing this for? Like, is this to actually come to a solution or is this, are we just trying to get things and, and out because... Then to tie it around, I see a lot of, you know, a lot of our young people are growing to that point where they are becoming, you know, you, we still have fringe, but a lot of, a lot of um, our young people are becoming solution-oriented. And I just think, like, it would just be amazing, you know, once we get past to this point where people are able to move around. You know, like, one of the things I love, you know, uh, at, you know, is having, we've had events uh, where people come for dinner and mm -hmm. people get to meet each other. It's like, I, you know, like, the amount of conversations that have happened and we're still limited in our engagement. You know, right. the, you know like, through all this, we've put ourselves out there to protest, you know, um, risk health, you know, to, 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 to go out and speak on behalf of what we need to have happen for us. But I'm just want to know, like, what do these opportunities look like, you know, when, when things ease up? Like, how willing are, how much are we willing to meet in person? How right. much are we willing to, to, to have dinner, have these conversations? Because we're dealing with a lot where we're united you know, because of our experiences and, and because of our color and, and, and just, just because of our history right. and, and, and what has happened with us. But it, it's, to me, it's crazy to be around people that I've known for years in the rugby community, but don't know their story. And that's... You know, and, and there's people who call each other's teammates and friends, but you really don't know... Who the person is. The, and, and the I think and, depth of the person. And that would bring us together a lot more. Agreed. That, I think that would, you know, that would make a cause, um, you know, worth fighting for. And, and I'm not saying you got to tell your story to agree and find connections, 
But when people, when you're able to to listen, yeah. like it, 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 you know, it, it's like being able to, like I've facilitated restorative circles, and you hear people, kids, tell stories, and you get the chills. So you just feel the energy of of when you create that space to feel comfortable enough, you know, to to speak your truth. Is it's just a, you know, that's just what it is, and and combine it, you know, with, you know, there is a fitness element to it. Um, but I'm also talking to you while you're doing that, like right. engage with the conversation. You know, how do you feel about it? You know, why is it, you know, a big part of it is we're out in the park, you know, we're out in the park, just running stairs. You know, it's kind of like playground basketball when you're shooting free throws after practice, you know, you leave AAU, you leave the gym, you go to your neighborhood and you, you know, in the rain, you practice in your layups. And so that's, kind of the feel that I wanted to create um, with me. You done with your Hey Rugby USA practice? Right, I'm going to go, uh, you know, meet Kimani and the rest of the guys in the park. We're going to run the stairs and I'm going to get 50 passes to the left, 50 passes to the right. It's not really, you know, it's organized. We're working with what we have. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yo, Kimani, man. Yo, where can people find you at, brother? Oh, man. My... <laughs> My Instagram handle is my actions defy expectations. Um, you know, I always tell people it's like when, you know, if I do an interview, you know, you're not going to find like, oh, there's the magic words or the magic pill. It all comes through interaction. Exactly. And, and realizing how much time you're investing in each other. Um, but you can primarily find me through that. Um, if you DM me through that, um, um, you know, I'll, I'll always engage in conversation. And then, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. We'll grow from there. Um, um, I'm, on, I'm asking Monty Davis on Facebook. I'm actually pretty soon, I'm revamping the, uh, the May page to launch on Facebook um, again soon. And, you know, it, it, there's going to be activism. There's going to be consulting. Um, you know, I'm working with Hunter, like I said, down, down in, in Philly. We're looking to put together a U23 team out of North Philly. Um, just because we don't, you know, kind of, I mean, it, the bag is out, you know, it's, it was a secret, but it's just like that community has embraced the sport and, you know, not necessarily wanting to pick it apart and have it go everywhere. If these kids want to work together and grow together, you know, we want to get parents behind it. We want to get mothers. We want to get uh, local, you know, community organizations behind it. And I think like in order for the sport to really take off in our communities, we need to get the communities behind it. Amen. You know, and I think it's possible. You know, if you, you, I told, I, growing up playing sports, I always tell people, hey, nothing's more powerful than the black mom. You get a group of black mothers supporting the sport and they realize Fast. that it's good for their kids and it's strong and it's positive. Um, it, Create the value prop. And, and the reason why I don't mind sharing, you know, this, you know, it's not a secret. It's not because not everyone is built for it. Like you can right. go and try to do it, but, you know, our mothers are going to look at you and be like, hmm, something about you ain't right. You know, and that trust isn't going to be there. But like I said, um, you know, Instagram, um, Kimani Davis on Facebook. Um, you know, I'm always open for conversation. Dude, dude, man, I love this. This has been a lot of gems being dropped here, and we're gonna do this again. I just want to let you know this. We we <laughs> do this again on the on the update. So just don't let it even don't even fool yourself to think. 
Okay, we got we got the, the podcast in. No, no, I mean, no, no. It's one of those things where it's a community. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of these things where, um, you know, it's one of those things where I've been pushed to, to not necessarily, you know, you you doing it at, at a level that I really appreciate. Um, and it's just like I'm being, you know, like I'm really deep diving into doing it myself. And you would definitely be okay. one of the first. There will be, you know, we'll just be, you know, I, I think it's a need for it. Um, I agree. And, and we just need certain people constantly present. Look, you like 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 we were talking about in the interactions with uh, uh, with these kids that interacted with you early in their in their rugby careers and meeting with you. You never know what resonates as a result. Whenever you're able to have that, maybe not direct conversation, but even indirectly, it's an engagement in and of itself. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, I appreciate you, man. Um, you know the the. I'm I'm really I'm excited because I don't I don't even think we hit during this whole I don't even think we we've hit the bottom of the mountain I think we're still on the trail <laughs> before we start to climb the mountain <laughs> I mean there's a lot of activity you know that's happening and, and and you know there's a lot of things that I want to chime in on and I hear what people are saying but I'm watching because I'm watching our young people I'm yeah. watching like. You know, and, 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 and I know we got to go, um, but I want to say this to our young people, trust that if, if you're expecting to hear from certain programs or certain people to be present, I think we're actually, like, I'm enjoying watching the young people work. I'm enjoying... The, 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 because like, this is what I, I wake up in the morning to do. You know, this is what I, I look to inspire and to sit there and see young people reach out, you know, for me to be able to have conversations, you know, with Oliver and be able to have conversations with Jatavia, you know, I said to her on a Zoom, you don't even realize like for a black man in his 40s to sit down and engage in such positive relationship with an 18-year-old woman, black woman, you, I'm sure it exists, but right. you, it's never spoken about. Right. And, 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 and these, you know, we need to be okay with these moments. And it's not in a way where I'm telling them what to do. It's I'm, I hear you. I want to hear you. It's a, it's a, it's a mutual listening of, inf it's a mutual sharing of information on yes. both sides. It might be I'm your part imparting an experience, but on their part, it's giving you a perception and a concept as well. And you guys are able to figure this out, but it just widens that breadth of knowledge and understanding and depth. No, I, I 100% understand and if that. You, and if you notice, here's the funny part. And this is what I love about it. We talked about rugby. Right. We didn't talk about a lot of rugby. And this is what the, but, but, it, but it ties. Exactly, and you know, and these are the standard, regular conversations that that, that um, I think need to happen, and we need to facilitate and create the space for it to happen. Once we, you know, it's a lot of stuff that we have to get through, but especially within our communities or the people who we're close to, mm -hmm. these are the conversations. You know, the teammates that you do feel comfortable with. You know, like a lot of teammates and people who I grew up who aren't people of color. Where I'm having these conversations. And it's kind of reinforcing at times, okay, this is why 
Excellent. You've been such an impact in my life. You know, to be able to go up and sit with my boy John for two hours and just, we, we, we talked about the world. But the way that we spoke about it was in a way, it was just like, wow, we formed a legitimate bond and brotherhood uh, with the friends. And our school did a really good job of weeding out the people who didn't belong. Like, and what I mean didn't belong, I don't mean like those, we had people uh, for a liberal school who, 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 were, who were homophobic, who were, you know, so that like, this is not for you. Like what we're creating here. And what now we have a different element that we can be able to, to now to, to, to work it in. It's yeah. not, it's, it's much different. It's more, I don't want to say open, but it's, it's a more aware environment. Maybe that's the best word. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, like I said, people have to be prepared to hear a lot of things that they don't want to hear. Right. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of times, like I said, even as an educator, I had to go through a phase where I had to let go a lot of assumptions about young people and get them to, you know, sometimes you over-identify with right. who they are. And, you know, I was a young black kid once, but different era, different circumstance, different borough, right. different family dynamic. Um, so that's when, you know, um, in terms of race, it's even happening with clubs. Like, oh, I thought we were good. Oh, I thought we were inclusive. Oh, I thought we welcomed everybody. Oh, I thought, and it was just like, nah, a lot of times people just didn't speak up. You know, and, and, and they were, you know, or a lot of times people were waiting, um, you know, to, to, to feel safe. Like, I know a lot of people that didn't speak up, and it was just like, but I love the sport. And so I'm going to tolerate it because I love the sport. Like, that's that's hard to swallow. Yeah. No, yeah, but it, it's, it's these open truth. And, uh, you know, even though we didn't talk about it a little bit on this one, but, you know, it, it goes back to, I always will say, it, it goes back to the history. What you see from the history kind of tells you what happens now. And then just even within the sport itself, but it also lets you know how much of a responsibility that you have to do these actions to have these uncomfortable conversations, to open up these these points, to break some of this glass ceiling that people have gotten comfortable with under the guise of, hey, this is just rugby. It's like, no, if this is what you want it to be, you really want it to be this community, this lifestyle that you're promoting, whether it's from and fun and entertaining and casual social to in-depth and meaningful and inclusive you have to be able to have these conversations so everything on all the sides get to be honest get to be genuine get to be consistent get to be you know and, and, free and that's why without it being so preachy that goes back to the whole concept of restorative circle right everyone has a stake and everyone has a stake in the community exactly bro bro i love this i love this Look, we're going to continue this on to the next one, all right? Thank you for having me. Yo, I want to thank Kimani so much for this. This was uh, a super meaningful, super, uh, extremely loved in being able to get to know what he's about and what, what he's trying to bring to the table. Guys, definitely check him out on social media. And thank you so much, Kimani, for just giving us your story and letting us know and letting me being able to to know and get to know more about you even past what we had even talked about uh, off camera and whatnot. So uh, I hope you guys truly enjoyed it. Please go and check out some of our other episodes. Uh, 
last week we had Matt Upton uh, with Jesuit uh, Jesuit Dallas High School. The week before that, we had the pleasure of having Derek Lipskin coming through. Even before that, Pat Evans of Front Office Sports. We've had uh, Nia Tapper with USA Rugby. We've had Phil Thiel. We have had some great guys, James Brunson of the uh, North Philly Nomads. If you guys haven't checked out the movie The Nomads, it's what it's based on. We got Adam Gray Hayward uh, from uh, the movie Play On. We have had uh, Kyle and Tiana Granby for Roots Rugby. Like We've had some great guys, Rashad Lipford uh, with North Carolina Auntie Kelly Smith with American Rugby Pro Training Center. Just, we are building up a, a collection of history and amazing people that is just uh, something to be proud of, something to take into consideration. Um, and I, I hope you guys really, really, uh, really just take the time and, and listen. So thank you guys so much for for being here, for allowing to, me to be a part of this, for allowing me to be come to your guys ears each week and i hope you guys stay happy i hope you guys stay healthy and considering everything that's been going on yo please let it be known you guys are highly favored all right you are worth it you matter and all that don't don't let anybody steal your happiness you guys take care talk to you next time cheers